My brother said it was legit. Really? Well, so the thing is, it's not so much like, ah, oh, we want more listeners, but it's like, there's people who aren't listening to this. That honestly makes me goodness. terrified. Yeah. That there'd be anyone that wouldn't have the opportunity <laughs> to listen to this milky goodness. It's milky goodness. <laughs> Soul butter. Soul butter. Soul butter. Oh, that's a uh, Father Nick Blaha. Blaha, huh? Good. Very good. Which is still the number one review on iTunes. Soul butter. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. I heard you giving some shout-outs, did you? Yeah, I gave a shout-out to my friend Emily Hinnish, Oh, who is the wife of my friend Drew Hinnish, <laughs> who I went down, that's who I went down to see over our February break. Oh, down in Auburn. Yep, and okay. so um, Emily, Emily, <laughs> Emily left us a very um, nice review on yeah, she did. iTunes, and so she's a listener. She's also, did I tell you the Penny story? Oh, no, yeah, do tell no, this. No, no. You've never heard that? No. What is the penny story? I use this uh, to get people to come to our Advent or okay. our Lenten penance service. So, um, yeah, my my friend uh, Emily told me this when I was down there visiting them, that when she was a little girl, her mom always would, um, like, tell her, and I don't know if she, like, wanted to or what, but her mom would always tell her, like, not to put pennies in her mouth. Okay, because she was afraid she would swallow one. Don't swallow pennies. Um, and apparently at one point, the temptation was just too great. And she really wanted to know what a penny tasted like. So her plan was not to swallow it, but to just put it in her mouth to see what it tasted like. I, I don't know how old she was, like, say, five-ish, three, something like that. So she put the penny in her mouth, and she swallowed it. <laughs> <laughs> her first try? Yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, I don't know, but probably. And... Um, and so she was just like absolutely terrified that um, one, she didn't know what the penny was going to do to like her insides. And um, like she didn't want her mom and dad to find out because they had told her, don't put these were explicit in instructions, like explicitly yep. don't put pennies in your mouth. And so anyway, like. Luckily, I'm, I'm guessing that can be fairly serious, especially in little kids. I don't know for sure. But she didn't tell anybody. And so I'm sure she, like, passed the penny in a couple days or whatever. But, like, years later, okay? And she said it, like, tormented her that someone would find out. Because she thought this penny was still in her somewhere. Yep, in her somewhere. And so years later, she went to the dentist and she had to get x-rays for something. And she said she freaked out because she thought that the x-rays were going to show the penny in her stomach. And the dude, it was, you know, it was going to hit the fan at that point. Her secret was out once her parents saw these x-rays and that there was a penny in her stomach. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, uh, and so anyway, the, I was, I think I told Connor and Scott both about it. And, like, it was cool to... Even like that, that story, I mean, it's kind of in, in a way, I think you used it like for analogy of sin, right? Well, that there's just no reason to live like that, to live with this fear right. of something that you, you screwed up. Okay. So it's a legit mess up. You know, mm-hmm. you, you should 
take responsibility for the fact that you were told not to put the penny in your mouth Mm -hmm. and you did anyway but it's just not as big a deal as you think it is and the fact that you're you haven't told anyone it's just making it worse and worse yep it's kind of like not calling someone that you know you should call and then the longer you wait the worse off you oh i hate that you know like the worse that call is going to be and the less you want to make it and then it just keeps it's a vicious cycle Mm mm-hmm and Scott had another story. I told both of these stories the week before our penance service. Too. Can, can I just say before you go yeah. on, that happened multiple times in our family growing up. I, I ate a Chuck E. Cheese coin <laughs> at least at least one time. But what they do... Those have to be disgusting. Oh, can you think about how gross... <laughs> how long that's been in circulation? Yeah. How do you many... remember what was going through your head when you ate oh, it? Oh, no. But I do remember my mom. Gosh. She took us to the hospital she took us to the doctor yeah because i did it and then i think some of my siblings also did it as well <laughs> like on purpose swallowed I it, it or it happened more than one time for sure and well just statistically like, when you have in. that many kids i mean it's gonna yeah. happen you right? go to chuck e it's cheese gonna, that at gonna least someone's gonna eat a coin here <laughs> you know, and there right the, yeah no, but standard sure. deviation says that at least one kid per trip sure. is gonna swallow a sure. coin math yep. supports our dysfunctionality okay <laughs> yep no but, doubt about it i mean you can imagine how disgusting Putting any currency in your mouth is, but much less a Chuck E. Cheese coin. Oh gosh! But they give the doctors gave my poor mom. They gave her a spoon. You can just I thought they were. Oh, I thought you were going to say they yeah. gave her a discount for repeat. No, customer. no, they gave her a spoon so that when like we had to check to see when it passed to make sure that yep. it did pass. Oh yeah, I see what yeah. you're saying. So we'll, we'll just unpleasant cover. thought. So oh, definitely know how that goes. Well, this one's less gastrointestinal, but Scott's. Whoa, story uh, about his um, <laughs> his fishing rod that he got when he was a kid for Christmas, and it, but of course it was Christmas, so it's winter, so it's not fishing season. But he was all excited to go fishing with his dad when the weather warmed up. So he's practicing in his living room and he's getting like the tackle box together. And he'd never gone fishing with his dad, and now he finally had a fishing rod. And so he's practicing casting in his living room. But there's a ceiling fan, and he he hit it and broke the tip off, and then was like, oh man. I broke the fishing rod they gave me, you know? So his first instinct was to hide the evidence. So he just shoved all this stuff in the back of the closet and never talked about it ever again and hoped and just prayed his dad would never ask him to go fishing with him because then he'd have to fess up to the fact that he broke Mm. the fishing rod. And he said that similar to the x-rays at the dentist, that his dad had to go through the closet to get to this, um, the boiler, to, to change the, the filter in it, like mm-hmm. every few years or something like that. And every time his dad had to do this, he would just be sweating bullets. Oh. Like he's going to see the broken fishing rod. And, and like, I think to this day, he's never told his dad that he broke the, the fishing rod, you know? And uh, not that it would, like, matter now, but he went through his old childhood never, uh, you know, fessing up. And it's just like, what did that cost him? What would it have cost him if he had just fessed up? Probably, you know, like a, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed lecture. But then another, he'd get another fishing rod, you know, and they probably would have gone fishing. But what did it cost him to keep it secret was that he never went fishing with his dad and that he lived with this torment, you yeah. know. And that, that Blaha's analogy of, of confession where people... Um, are in the dark and they feel like there's this thing in the corner, this monster that's going to come eat them if they even look at it, you know, if they make eye contact with this ghoul. Mm-hmm. But going to confession is like saying it out loud that I think there's a monster in the corner and in the saying it, the lights turn on and you realize it's a coat rack and and you're like, oh, 
I don't have to be afraid of it anymore, you know? And that, that was kind of <laughs> like the, my message for the yeah. penance service was like, just don't live like this. This is my prayer for everyone. Why live like this? Because God is merciful. He's not mad. The, the, the reason we're afraid of saying sorry is one, we'll, we have to admit we're wrong and then we'll feel bad about ourselves and it, co- it feels like it costs us something. Or two, we think that the one we've wronged, if, the, if they find out, they'll be mad at us. Well, God already knows and he's not mad. And you're apologizing and admitting your responsibility for your actions won't make you feel worse than you already feel. It'll make you feel better. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's back. I mean, if we want to come full circle, that's the difference between Peter and Judas. Yeah. That Peter ran, as you put so eloquently, like a psychopath, back <laughs> to Jesus. And Judas was like, no, I'm hopeless. I can't bring this back. Yeah. Uh, I'm too far gone. I'm just going to go hang myself. Um, obviously, those are the two extremes, but it, it, it is a little bit like the poetic way of saying this truth about human nature that there's things about ourselves that we're just not cool with things we've done and said and wanted and that that we hold close to our chest and think like if we ever let this out yeah oh what a nightmare that would be every time our dad goes through the closet to get to the boiler we are sweating bullets because what if somebody found out what a dingus i was to be playing with my fishing rod with a ceiling fan i mean it's a stupid kid mistake yeah but we think if, if this got out, the world would crash. Oh, yes. Why is there something rather than nothing? It, that only happens because when you say that, it, it's not to minimize what sin is. Sin is not yeah. good. We do not want to live in sin. Sin is terrible. Right. It makes us less than who we were created to be. But what happens is when you think like that, all you're doing is thinking about yourself. You're putting right. yourself in the middle and then you're putting everything else in relation to you, around mm-hmm. you in the middle. And when you do that, yeah, it does look really bad and really big and really scary. But when we say that, don't worry about it because God can handle it and he's already died for that sin. Yeah. We're making a statement about God. It's not that your sin is not, it's not a good thing or it's not a nothing. It's actually bad. We're not saying that it's not bad. Right. We're saying that God is infinite love. <laughs> We're making a statement about God and his mercy here. Right. We're saying, obviously, sin wounds us. Right. And that's what God grieves over. Right. Like, that's why things aren't okay with God is because he sees the pain and, like, the hurt that we are are in. But I think the point you're making is that, um, like, our sin is not bigger than God's mercy or his love and in fact like in comparison to it it's kind of like a kid accidentally breaking a a fishing rod on Mm -hmm. a ceiling fan where like if he would have went to his dad and like told him he was sorry like his dad can handle that problem it's not that it isn't a problem like because that his fishing rod is broke there Mm -hmm. you know something has to be fixed in that um situation but that's not a big deal for his dad to be able to fix. Yeah. And that's like the closer analogy to sin. Yeah. See, but it's and it's it's tricky in that sin, part of the repercussions of sin is that it makes it very difficult to see the reality of it. You know, sin, it warps the way that we see mm-hmm. ourselves. It warps the way we see each other and the world. <clears throat> and so to see the world rightly, it's it's difficult from that place of sin. So you do want to constantly hide it. And I, I mean, I can, while you were talking, I was kind of laughing to myself because I'm thinking at all these like ridiculous times in my life, even, you know, 
even as I've been older, but especially when you're younger, the super dumb stuff that I would do and then, or like me and my siblings would do together and then you try and hide it. It's like one, you're super terrible at it. Oh yeah. And, and it's really nothing at all. It's absolutely, I mean, one, there's two in particular that I was thinking of. And one was, it's a famous lie at our house now. It's super famous, okay? We had like a new playground. Is this that we your, had... your little brother with the root beer from oh, many episodes well, no, ago? That, that was a hilarious That was a really one. good one, though. Yeah, that one was good. No, these are a little bit these are a little bit bigger, but way more ridiculous, okay? okay. Uh, so we got a brand new playground. It's like a sweet playground in the back of our house. And uh, it was like built there, you know, whatever. It's this big deal. And I was older in like high school or something. But my younger brother, Greg, who's the fifth Mets, uh, he, <laughs> I guess he got a hold of a saw or something like that and like cut down, like cut into, <laughs> just started hacking at the playground. And so we come out and there's like huge chunks of wood. <laughs> and we're like, what happened, dude? This is brand new. And Greg comes up and he's like, yeah. I saw a bear back here. <laughs> he literally said that. He li- he honestly held to he the bear thing. A bear. He was like, we were like, Greg, what are you talking? He's like, yeah, a bear came and clawed it, and now that's what happened. He clawed the playground. There was like sawdust on the ground. Yeah, and there's like the saw is there, and we know he does this stuff. We're like, Greg, what are you talking? A bear came and clawed at our pl- playground, and this is what happened. So even today, like over Easter break, we made fun of him for that again. <laughs> oh, man. But that is classic. Another one that we had, and this this really did happen, okay, too. <clears throat> when I was younger, I loved building forts, and we played in the woods all of the time. And we would do some crazy stuff and whatever. One of my neighbors who our backyards were kind of adjacent to each other through a bunch of woods that connected our houses, uh, he had like stacks and stacks of these cinder blocks. I don't even know what he had them for or what, I I don't know. Mm -hmm. So we stole tons of them, like at least a hundred of these cinder blocks. To make a fort. And we made this huge fort, which was incredibly dangerous. Now that I look back on it, we just stacked like four walls of... Like if those come crashing on you? Oh my gosh. Just one, like one layer of cinder blocks to like five feet high and we're in it and we have like... I can remember trying to think, how are we going to build a cinder block roof? <laughs> and so we You're had, not. Like, branches over it. Yeah. I mean, that thing could have tipped on us for sure. Yeah. And so my dad comes out and goes, whoa, y'all are huge idiots. <laughs> Why are you in the middle of a cinder block house? You need to return all of those cinder blocks, which was kind of a ways away. It was like up a hill oh, to this Had it taken house. you like months to make this? It took us like... Two or three days. I mean, we worked. There's a lot of us. Okay, so this right? is consistent work. Oh, yeah. This is like summertime activity that we were mm-hmm. going nuts on this thing. And we had all these forts, and we had neighbors that we would build traps and, like, encourage them to come into our – and, hey, come into our fort so they could fall into our traps. It was, like, really – I mean, we were, uh, like, a team back there, and we were doing some crazy stuff. So he comes back, and he says, you need to move all those cinder blocks back up to this house. And we see this, like, daunting hill. Mm-hmm. I'm – you know, eight or nine or 10 or something, cinder blocks are super heavy, mm-hmm. you know? And so we're like, oh yeah, totally dad. There's no way we're doing that. <laughs> and so we take all of these cinder blocks and we hide them in the woods of our backyard and no joke. Like behind we, trees and stuff. Or? Oh, worse than that, dude. We would like stack three of them together and place leaves over them. <laughs> oh, and we're like, oh yeah, dad, we, leaf. um, 
totally move those back <laughs> and it rains the next day <laughs> and we look out in the backyard and there are cinder blocks it's like in plain sight there that the rain had just washed all the leaves off and i mean it was obvious that we had been lying about it at that mm-hmm. point because there were cinder blocks in our backyard like they must have grown out of the ground yeah whoa he must have moved those cinder blocks back <laughs> maybe he wanted them in the woods so i i mean and then but there are even times when i'm there's one instant in my life where i can remember i messed up big time mm-hmm. and i it was that big grace moment where I was really terrified, but I had a huge grace to run and wake up my dad in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And I was crying. I was in like seventh or eighth grade or something like that. And I said, dad, like I so, I so messed up dad. You know, like, I'm so sorry. Forgive me right now. But, uh, that was a huge grace. I mean, yeah. that's that moment where like, am I going to try and hide and conceal this? And maybe it was because I screwed up so bad. I have mm-hmm. a, I have a story I can tell. Mm-hmm. I used to, uh, like when I was really little, I used to pretend, to, I loved to pretend to shave. So there's even like pictures of me. I had a little toy razor and stuff like that. And then at some point, I was probably, I don't know, 10, like way too old to be pretending to shave at this point. But I remember, kind of, I still vaguely remember it a little bit. Um, and just like was, I think I was taking a shower. And so I was back in the bathroom and saw my dad's uh, razor there. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to, like, see how this goes. Kind of want to, you know, shave the face. I didn't have any facial hair at the time. <laughs> and uh, ended up ended up shaving on accident, like, way up into my, like, <laughs> Your the side of my head. To where, like, I had this, like, pretty much the whole side of my head was, like, a bald spot as I tried to fix it and stuff <laughs> like that. And, uh... I remember thinking that there's really no hiding that exactly. So it was like the I, I I was in the bathroom for well over an hour. I know, and I kept <laughs> just trying staring to like, at your head like, yeah, what can I do? Like trying to figure out something to do in order to hide this, and like that's kind of what happened. I just exhausted all options. <laughs> I can't, I can't this. stay in the bathroom forever. Like, I literally thought about, like, trying to, like, go straight to bed and, like, just, like, maybe trying to wear a hat the next day and, like, think about it. But, I mean, it was just undoable. It was on one side and not the other? It was on one side and not the other. And, I mean, it wasn't, like, it wasn't, like, a clean, like, sh- it was, like, streaks of, like, <laughs> just complete baldness. Probably, I mean, all the way up, like, you know, almost to the top of my head by the end of it. Yeah. And so I just had to fess up, like, and, like, my family still makes fun of me for it. My mom had to get the clippers out and just pretty much shave my head and, uh, you know, told kids it was a summertime haircut, but it was, it was that moment. It was just like, you know, there's <laughs> Oh, Rob's got a summertime haircut on now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because he's an idiot. <laughs> he tried to shave his own head. <laughs> yeah. But there was nothing else to do, you know, at that point besides, besides just fess up. Anyway. <laughs> And another thing. Maybe one thing, and this was just kind of, it hit me as we were talking, is that by the grace of God, is if there is, I don't speak directly to the listeners very often, mm-hmm. but if you heard this and there's something like tangibly in your life that you like are thinking of even right now, that, like you have the desire to take to confession and um, if there's shame around it or whatever, just to give you confidence that it's not bigger than God's mercy or his love for you, 
I would encourage you, especially in the Easter season, um, just to to like very boldly and bluntly and honestly take that to the sacrament and and kind of let God's grace and mercy come come in there. And even, I mean, in a lot of ways, we started this podcast to try in a small way to like reach people that you know often aren't um, reached by by Catholics. So if someone again, by what I would call the grace of God, who maybe doesn't even believe in God, isn't a Catholic or whatever, but there is something that's like really, really weighing on you. Um, even if you don't believe in sin, but like there's something that's coming to your mind that like you have regret over, shame over, or that it's like, you know, causing you real distress in your life, I would encourage you to um, like just uh, call a local parish and, and take it to a priest and be honest and open. And um, yeah, the Catholic Church wants to help you wherever you're at word logos three dogs north are juice seabisque and michael metz conversations have been edited to sound smarter audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. And fear down.